intertextual cardboard experience. Three quick things before we get to the show. Uh, first off, this is being released on January 1st, 2024, so Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, thanks to anyone joining for the first time. Uh, thanks to anyone who's been listening uh, throughout and has subscribed and is, is listening to it live. Any listening and support is uh, appreciated, and I hope you had a great kind of like set of holidays and are ready for uh, 2024 as well. Uh, with the note of support, we're on to point, quick point number two, and that's that you may have noticed that the intro got uh, shortened by quite a bit, and it's also going to be changing even more in the future. So the old one was uh, just kind of shrunk down uh, for now, and I hope to uh, change it and tweak it a little bit more. This was due to the, the feedback form. So the feedback form is something I'm going to have in every episode's show notes moving forward. And it was kind of rolled out with a, a giveaway and had a couple uh, winners for the giveaway. But I'm kind of taking all feedback into account, like, you know, whether or not a change is going to be implemented or not, or, or just at least like played with is, is all really dependent. But nonetheless, if that's something that you haven't done, uh, but are interested in helping out the podcast in that way, uh, it's going to be available, just a Google form. So I appreciate your help uh, there. And yeah, what something was just about the intro being like a little lengthy and, and I wasn't necessarily sure in the first place if the whole point of the intro really made too much sense uh, anyway. So just just playing around with it. That's that's about it. And then uh, quick point number uh, three, uh, speaking of kind of like, you know, growth and and changes and community and everything, I uh, had a really fun opportunity being a, a guest speaker for the board game Dojo podcast at an end of the year, like reflection cleanse uh, type episode that was uh, really fun to be a part of. And then I have listened to it uh, since and there are other uh, podcasts and, and people reflecting there as well. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So definitely check that out. Uh, Eric was uh, really kind in reaching out and the way that that information, like from me, are the the sounds, uh, the clips from me and everyone else were taken and kind of conversed with was was really neat and I thought it was a great idea. So I was really happy to be a part of that. So uh, without further ado, the three quick notes are done and we are to a really uh, awesome episode. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Intertextual Cardboard Experience. Special guest today in John Perry, board game designer, video game designer, musician, writer, podcaster, any other titles that I'm missing? Uh, no. Um, and I'd say like, you know, usually I lead with, with game designer these days or maybe writer, but cause some of those things I don't do as much as I used to, but yeah, I'm not going to add anything. Okay. And won't, won't add. And I definitely let, definitely led designer too. I mean, that's board game focus for, for a conversation, but definitely diving into, uh, the other things as well. Uh, so just kind of like as an introductory question, hopefully this comes across in a straightforward enough way, but if you could kind of like chronologically uh, look back and, and think about 
when your interest in all these different creative pursuits started? Like when did you know you wanted to design board games or, or when did you initially have that interest? Kind of like so on and so forth. And, and I'm also as like a, a sub-level question, kind of curious if you felt like there was any like overlaps in the timing of these interests too. Well, I, I mean, part of the reason that list is kind of long, um, even though, you know, I, I think I really focus on games these days, but I've definitely mm -hmm. done a lot of different stuff is because I've always, it's almost been like part of my self-concept as long as I can remember that I just like to create things in general. So to me, the act of making, you know, a comic book versus a game, I mean, it all feels part of the same urge that I have and have always had. So, I mean, I think the tougher thing has more been like figuring out, you know, how to prioritize my time when there are so many things I enjoy doing, um, you know, because it's at a certain point, uh, you got to focus somewhat, right? <laughs> um, you know, you can't necessarily, there's not enough time in the world to be uh, great at everything. So um, there's no, I mean, like if I think way, way back, um, I mean, I can remember like a time in like preschool when I like drew a picture of a, of a dinosaur and like my friend was jealous and tore it up or like another random memory I have is like reading a story out loud that I wrote in fourth grade and people really liking it. And it's like, I think I imprinted like for whatever reason early on, on just like that feeling of making something that somebody enjoys or is impressed by. And I've just I don't know. I guess I'm just chasing that. So it's it's gone across all these different mediums over the years. Wow, very cool. I one of the things that you said kind of early on in that is, you know, your your desire to create in all of these kind of like different spaces is just tied to you and all just the fact that you like all of those things and, and want to create and and I think like to me that's kind of that's definitely directly tied to like a purpose of this podcast and, and just like seeing, you know, different creators and the things that they're interested in, but also like seeing where there are overlaps and, and how people choose to like balance their, their priorities and everything like that too. So I don't know that, that speaks to me as well, I guess. Well, this podcast, you call it intertextual cardboard experience, right? So I guess you're trying to, you're trying to bring in other mediums as part of the, I mean, how do you, how do you describe the pitch of this show actually? Uh, Cause, oh. <laughs> or what, 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 I mean, I, I guess I'm not supposed to be asking you questions, but like, where oh, did I like, the inspiration for this come from? I like being asked questions until I realize that I can't answer them uh, anyway. But yeah, so for me, I, I've kind of like, I had an idea to, to think about this like podcast in different ways. Like the, the initial creation started like several years ago. And I think it was a little bit more limited in its scope. Uh, but, and, and, you know, this is actually something like I talk about like, like a little bit in a couple different spots, but you know, I, I like to do a whole bunch of different things too. And I feel like I'm very, not like necessarily to surface level on all of them, but I feel like I'm trying to, you know, spin, uh, spin the plates or juggle or, or do that balancing act where I want to like do some creation work on my own, but I also want to see like the most recent movies or, or see 
like as many shows and kind of consume and read and play games as much as I can. So I think like the goal of this then is to primarily focus on board games, but see like where those overlaps come up. So maybe it's one of one of my interviews was with uh, Alan Emmerich, and this was one of my earlier kind of like interest in board games or as was starting to like dive in a little bit more was seeing like a game based on 20,000 leagues under the sea. So it's not really, you know, like new IP, like, uh, you know, like Marvel necessarily, but it was like a, like a literary piece and like how the game took some of those ideas. So I read, I read the, um, well, the story, uh, first in order to play the game and just seeing how like my experience of playing the game was then impacted by reading it initially too. So just, just like having that open-endedness of connecting like, you know, a, a book to a game or a game to a show or, a, you know, whatever is just kind of like what I want to be able to have the opportunity to do if it presents itself. So. I think uh, that all makes sense to me. And like w- one of the reasons I've sort of, focused in on primarily games and uh, to a sort of lesser degree writing as like my main things now is because it's so easy to sneak in uh, other media into (laughs) those things. I mean, board games, yes. I mean, especially video games, right? All of a sudden, you know, video game contains like every other type of art form practically, right? It's got music and uh, graphics and all of that uh, writing usually. So um, yeah. Part of, part of the reason I've I've chosen games as my main pastime is because it's like it keep there's enough intertextuality in games already to keep me from getting bored, basically. Yeah, I I get that, and oh, I I feel like I like I have to like well not slow down because it's not like I'm create creating much. I make this podcast and I toy around with some some writing here and there too, but it's like just even in like consuming it can be overwhelming too just like with the the plethora of options of what you could play like i mean if you just chose that you wanted to focus on like playing video games i mean you one person could play a video game for the rest of their life if they really wanted to <laughs> yeah i mean that's a constant battle right just feeling like, there's always i mean it's it's comforting in a way to know that like you know I don't really worry about ever getting bored in that sense. There's like so much stuff out there to like read and play and listen to and so on. Um, but yeah, there's so much stuff always falling by the wayside. I mean, I mean, I'm pretty good about playing a lot of board games, not as great about playing video games. There's a lot, a lot I haven't played. My reading is like fallen off lately. I feel like it's, yeah, it's, it's always a struggle to keep up with everything. Yeah. And and then and there's like trends too. Like sometimes maybe maybe like the past couple of years are like board game heavy. The couple of years before that were like more video game heavy. So the ability, like you said, to have the options and, and just kinda like pick and choose as you go and and not even think about boredom is a positive thing to me at least. Yeah, that makes sense. I've gotten comfortable with the idea of like phases, right? Yeah, my, my life has these phases where it's like, I'll just be really into movies for a while and that's okay. I'm not going to read much during that period. <laughs> I'll get to, I'll get back to books later. I trust that'll happen. Yeah. And yeah, books, books, books are nice too. I feel like sometimes rediving into a book is, is easier 
uh sometimes it's really tough and then you're like ah, i just didn't didn't time diving getting back into this one in the in the right like time frame but books can be like a longer time investment than sitting down for a couple hours but it all adds up one way or the other absolutely all right cool well this there's something i was thinking about too so you know obviously talked a little bit about like all the different things that you have done so i'm curious uh you know with like board game design video game design probably specifically do you feel like there's something else that you maybe at some point in time pursued in order to really like help facilitate the development of your board games or or the development of your your video games so i guess kind of like quickly for me as as i was starting the podcast i found it really well kind of funny that like oh like to have a podcast is probably nice having an aesthetically uh pleasing logo and and having some sound design skills and and those were like two things that i had no skill in like whatsoever uh so i got i had a friend do the logo and i, I think it's really great but like just kind of toying around with different sound studios after the fact and and watching youtube videos is still something i'm doing but it's not like it's something i'm good at so i guess again the question is what's something that like you feel would be a really cool feel to have that would help facilitate your game design i mean i i thought you were maybe asking uh you know what's something else that i worked on that fed back into games at Ooh. first but is that not quite what you're asking it sounds like i, I maybe i don't quite know yeah. how about yeah an answer that question i like that one <laughs> okay okay that's where i thought you were first going and then i i then i thought i misunderstood the ending of of that um oh gosh uh well i don't even know if i i, I created that question i guess myself and now i don't have a, have a great uh answer for that um i mean for me i like i i say that like games are really my first love actually so it's like that's why that question maybe doesn't quite make sense right it's more like games have fed into everything else mm. um like i want to say that just you know playing playing legend of zelda okay like for the nes for whatever reason as a child just like it got me to start reading because I saw a book in the bookstore that was called uh, Water of Life. So I made my mom buy it because that was a thing in Zelda. Uh, it got me to start like drawing because I would like draw my own maps. You know, it got me to learn how to program because I wanted to make video games someday. Um, it, uh, I feel like it helped me get into music because I just like that old video game music was like something that I really enjoyed as a kid. I would like tape it off the TV, you know, which just sounds dumb now. Um, so I feel like I've, you know, and, and that's why like I focus on games now. Like I feel like I spent, you know, most of my like twenties, like a whole decade basically doing all kinds of different stuff all over the place and not really doing much of games. And then I sort of feel like I've come back to games and that was always like my original love. Again, I don't know if this has anything to do with the original question you were trying to ask, which I do want to understand <laughs> if you, if you want to try, uh, to help me with that. 
No. Okay. So, well, first off, I like your response a lot. The only reason I didn't like phrase the question in the way that you were kind of answering it was because I, I kind of had a question later about that, if that makes sense. Gotcha. So my, my question, I guess then was like, mm, I'll throw some examples out there. So like, do you feel like what is something that like you wish you like had as, as something in your back pocket, to, like help aid or assist you with your design? Like, so say hypothetically, ah. like, like if you wanted to do the, the art for your games or, or whatever, I guess that was just yeah, kind of the question. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I wish art was, is actually a good one. I mean, I wish I had, um, a little developed my, my illustration skill more over the years. Like I used to draw a lot and that's one, again, you can't do everything right. Like we're just, I keep coming back to. So, I mean, my drawing is one of many things that I, at some point mostly stopped doing. Um, I think I had some skill in it, but you know, have not developed it whatsoever. And certainly, you know, if I could do what 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 Ryan Lockett does, for example, and illustrate all my games, that would be amazing. Um, so that's I mean, that's a good one. I mean, I think there's a lot of stuff. I mean, there's some there's some math that's useful, but I feel like I've mostly picked up what I needed along the way. Um so so yeah, I mean, probably probably illustration is like the number one factor in like board games and and games where I'm like, I feel like, you know, I'm only okay at that. And like, I, I'm always going to pro probably feel like I need to work with someone else to fill in that gap. So. Neat. Yeah. So, okay. Potentially, I mean, we'll talk about a little bit about board game design stuff in a bit, but so I guess just like a thought based on that is, so say if you're working on just like a prototype of your game, do you, do you do any of the early like illustration or do you just kind of like throw stuff in as like symbols or, or I guess I'm just curious how that works for you then. Yeah, it's really for me much more about graphic design at the prototype stage. Um, and graphic design is another thing that's extremely useful. I feel a little more confident in that area, although I probably, that probably would benefit from like, you know, doing a deep dive on that for, you know, six months or something I, that I guess. So maybe that's another good answer. Um, but yeah, my prototypes, I usually don't even, I mean, I, these days it's, you can get art online. You can use AI generated art. If you just want to put something on, you know, a card for a prototype, I tend to not even bother with that. I just try to get like really crisp, clear graphic design. I find that's kind of what I like most in games anyways. I mean, not that I don't like illustration, but, um, I really, really appreciate like sharpness and clarity in board games. Um, you know, like, I mean, I think, I mean, I guess just as an example, like the way like a classic deck of cards looks to me is just, is just beautiful. That aesthetic, it's actually quite simple, right? I mean, this often there's like gorgeous, like art on there too, but it's like, it's flat colors and it's clear and like, you know, exactly what every card is immediately. So that's usually more, more what I'm striving for in a prototype. Very cool. That that makes sense. And again, that was just kind of a off the cuff type of question too. All right. So that's kind of like some introductory stuff. And uh, I was gonna. So I tried to like structure these episodes in 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 a way. And I was gonna just like tell you at this point in time. So the 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 prank or the the joke isn't happening. So I kind of got like five sections. But I was gonna. I was going to call this 
podcast 50 and say, I have 50 things that I want to talk about. <laughs> oh, no. But but no, it, it's it's not that. I, I've got, I literally have it on my screen with the zero, uh, with a strike through. So it's podcast five. Gotcha. But yeah, we're, okay. We're, we're chunked into five. So I think it, I think it'll be more manageable than, than 50. And we'll get to the, the whole beast that that is later because i'm so intrigued i you know I, I know that you talked about it previously uh with dan a little bit but i've looked at the site and I, i've looked into the game more and i don't know i'm I'm definitely in love so i'll ask some questions that's the second to last topic though that's four or five well I, let me let me just say i'm, I'm happy to not end up involved in another project with 50 parts because <laughs> i love the one that i am working on which we'll get to later but a second one just even <laughs> the idea of that would be frightening to me yeah so i gotta call you back next week we have to talk about the next five things and then it's like 10 10 more weeks but... right and pretty soon this podcast won't release until 2030 <laughs> that would be uh an artistic experiment of sorts at the very least i'm not sure if it'd be worth it but it'd be something all right so kind of you know i just want to touch on some of the other things that you've worked on um, out of curiosity and i you mentioned your your comic uh graphic novel and i don't know like a ton about it but poking around on your site it looks like you did a podcast that was like a companion piece of sorts uh, for it. So I guess just to me, like I'm curious, you know, how the, you know, the graphic novel came to be, how it grew. And then, you know, like how that in turn made you want to research all these different things that like the, the podcast then explored too, because I, I don't know, I think it's super interesting and, and like the sci-fi stuff, especially with UFO 50, UFO 50, like later on, I don't know. It just feels like, they have a lot of links and I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on all of that. Uh, so the comic book podcast pairing thing has happened twice now, actually. So I, so I'm actually not even totally sure which ones you're asking about. So I'll just explain <laughs> them both. Okay. Um, I, I have a comic book that is out now. You can buy it on Amazon called let go. And that's a sci-fi uh, graphic novel about a, you can think of it as like an update to the Jetsons for like our like modern understanding of technology in the future, because it's like it's a nuclear family struggling, in, you know, to get by in a near future. And as in some ways it's, you know, relevant now, like there, you know, there's a ton of AI and automation and stuff happening. Um, and when we were making that book and in a long time in the lead up to it, uh, my co-writer and I were hosting a podcast called Review the Future where we did reviews of science fiction and also nonfiction books that dealt with future predictions. Um, and we also just discussed topics where we would just sort of speculate wildly about, you know, future technologies and how they might impact, you know, our culture. Um, and so like that podcast is now over. I mean, there's like back episodes floating around that you can find, um, and then so we we all so but they were rough. They were only like companions in the sense that um, the podcast was kind of research for the eventual graphic novel. Right. Because we had to world build for the graphic novel, which means we had to answer this question of like, OK, what is it actually going to be like for this family in the near future? And so we 
you know, we got so interested chatting about that topic that we ended up just basically recording our chats as a podcast. And then at the end of that podcast, we released uh, that graphic novel. Um, the new thing is I have a graphic novel that I'm working on again with the same co-writer, Ted Cupper. Um, that's not done. Um, still got a ways to go. Um, uh, called Constellation. And that one has a companion podcast in a much more literal sense, right? We actually just basically recorded um ourselves like coming up with the concept, like coming up with the world working out the details of the world building, um, eventually like reading drafts of the script to each other. Um, so it's, you know, it's a much less audience uh, serving podcast and much, you know, it's for a very small <laughs> niche of people, I think that would ever, you know, listen to this newer podcast. Um, it's almost more of like a document of just our process, which has been quite helpful for ourselves. Um, just to remember things that we've talked about. And, um, you know, I think it's just been an interesting, interesting experiment, but like, whereas like the prior podcast, you know, we had an actual audience of people that wanted to hear us, you know, it was not a big audience by any stretch, but like, you know, we were actually being hosts and trying to talk about interesting stuff. This newer podcast is, I think it's literally just us recording our writing meetings, basically. Uh, I mean, both, both like, processes sound really neat though i mean like you said with the first one that once the review the future was done that's when the the graphic novel is released right i mean those things happen pretty close together i i mean it wasn't like we released the graphic novel and then immediately shut the podcast <laughs> down but um i i don't it didn't go on too much longer after that point all right neat no, i i think that's fun and and it's definitely something that i i mean i want to look into more so hearing like your your thoughts on it and like how it came to be has me uh intrigued to like you know check out uh the graphic novel and then see like all the things that you did research in order to make that happen i think that's that's literally what uh, i'm looking for so now i mean we're on record on these episodes you know making talking about the future and making predictions and some of these episodes, I mean, probably aired 10 years ago at this point. So I'm sure there's a lot of <laughs> stuff in there that doesn't hold up. Just going to say, uh, there's probably, some, I think there's some stuff maybe that does hold up, but I mean, it's going to be a real mixed bag. Just a warning. If anyone goes into those archives. Hey, well, I mean, then there is that bit too, where you can like see the, the speculative thoughts that you had, compare it to present day and see like which crazier things have happened because i'm sure there are things that have happened that are crazier that you wouldn't predict or crazy things that haven't happened and i don't know there's that like i don't know almost not like revisionist lens but but that look back at the very least that adds an extra element to it too oh yeah yeah no and and i'm i'm always doing a little bit of that revising my expectations but i mean it's just I mean, I think part of the reason that we started doing that podcast too is just, I mean, we both felt a bit future shocked, you know, like just the way that things change and the pace of things. And I definitely, I mean, I, that that feeling has not gone away. I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, we're living in a crazy time, you know, where we have these like, you know, high profile labor disputes over, you know, whether they're going to, you know, automate all of the, uh, the extras out of movies and stuff. So, I mean, there's, <laughs> I mean, stuff that you wouldn't have imagined like 10 years ago. So. 
Yeah, no, that's wild. So does like here, one one more question on that before moving on. So does the newer podcast uh, still talk about things like that then, or is it more linked to the creation? Yeah, the newer podcast like really is just about the making of the graphic novel. Um, so you know, unless if if that sounds, I mean, that, again, I think it's a very narrow people that are going to be interested. And if that's you, then great. Uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, ex I wouldn't recommend it to most people. Um, I think maybe you know here and there we slip into other topics though. All right. Oh, very cool. And thanks, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, like. When I was looking and clicking around, I mean, I think you can get to the review the future through the link to the constellation like page. I think you know, clicking on the the constellation uh, like thumbnail on your site takes you to the site review the future, and then it has like all those episodes for constellation, and then all the episodes for review the future. So, yeah, and we never. I think we use the same. I believe we just use the same feed and just oh, change okay. the name. Don't, <laughs> Maybe maybe that's where like some of my confusion comes in, but now now it makes like complete sense, and and I like that process. So, yeah, I mean it's fun to it's fun to evolve a podcast, right? Um, as long as you're you know, you might lose some of your audience in the process. <laughs> I think we probably did, but you know, things hey. got to change. Hey, you got you may have lost some, but the key people that held on are still listening. You might get new people too. So, it's like you said, it's a different evolution. Cool. Like I said, very, very interesting. Um, then I kind of just have one question now about your your music, and then then I'll kind of revisit that just a little bit later in in a particular way. I, I'm definitely like a music fan. I have zero musical skill or knowledge, uh, but you know, people that create music and actually like understand music kind of kind of blow me away. So I'm just curious as to like what are some of the types of music that you enjoy, uh, create, and or like I know you said you don't really make a ton of music now, but perhaps would be in, interested in in still creating. Yeah, so I mean, the dumb answer is I like all kinds of music, right? Uh, but actually, I mean, I guess I can narrow that a little bit. I mean, certainly the music that I tried to make. Uh, uh, most recently was like, you know, stuff that was I identifiable as pop music in the sense that it had like a lead vocal melody that you could follow, but that, you know, pushed it in a, in a weirder direction, both with the, the production and the sound textures and, you know, in some cases, maybe with the with the chord changes and stuff. And that that I think tends to be like my favorite genre of music, you know, when I can when I can find it like, you know, the the like comfort and like familiarity of like a pop melody, but like against a very like weird and challenging backdrop, you know, um, the, I mean, I don't make as much music right now just cause I'm so busy with the game stuff where I see myself getting back into it most likely is, um, is probably composing stuff for games. I think, um, I mean, I have like, I mean, someday that my giant project, which you've alluded to, uh, UFO 50, which is a video game I've been working on for years and years now for good reason is it's very large. Um, someday that will be done and I'll want to do something quick and small, maybe even solo, you know, and it'd be, it would be, I really like am looking forward to the day that I just like do that 
and maybe make all my own music for it, you know, as, as soundtrack music, which I don't have, you know, I don't have a ton of experience doing soundtrack music, but it seems like a fun challenge. Oh, nice. Now that you mention it, uh, we'll, we'll knock out all music things kind of out of the way then too, because that was like a thought that I had later on. So you mentioned uh, that for UFO 50. So have you done any, any like kind of sound uh, or soundtrack work for that at all? I, I have not. And I was, you know, it, there that wasn't always going to be the case. Um, originally, I was going to do some for it. But the thing is, um, we have a very, very accomplished like composer and sound engineer on the team, um, Eric Sirk. Uh, uh, I always get his last name wrong. But um, and like he you know that project also requires like a very specific like style of music composition because i mean without getting too much into what the project is right it's we're making these games in a retro style so the music has to is adhere to these like specifications you know that and eric sort of created those and had like his whole software suite of tools to do it and he certainly invited me to like make some tracks for it and in the end i just felt like there's so much to do on this project um, that, you know what, he had that handled, right? Because for me to make a track was probably going to take 10x the time that, you know, it takes him to make a track. And he's just so good at it. Um, plus, like, you know, someone's got to fill in the gaps on the programming and, and design and just like various logistical stuff for the project. So I just sort of slotted myself into that area that I felt was less covered. So, so that's a long answer to say no, but I, I definitely look forward to making music for the next game I work on. Yeah. Awesome. No, honestly, like the way that, that, that no came about answered future questions that I had and, and sounds like a fun thing to be able to like, keep bringing all of your like passions and, and endeavors into like one, like a, like a solo project in the future. So that's, that's really great. Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah, when you're on a project this long, it's like, uh, it's, it's really fun, but yeah, it's, it's fun to daydream also about what life looks like after it. <laughs> well, yeah, it seems, it seems like you have some things set up that, that you'll be able to keep yourself busy for a long time, even after this long time is up. For sure. Neat. Cool. All right. So that, that little chunk about like the podcast and music is set and Moving into uh, board games, I have a very quick question, and this is kind of a, well, I don't want to borrow from the conversation that you had with with Dan, because, I mean, I mentioned that already. So this is just really quick question. About a year ago now, or a year ago or so, you had the interview with uh, Dan Thoreau about, about Lane Battlers and then about Marvel Snap. So the short question is, do you still play it at all? I I don't. I really, uh, I think I might have re slightly revisited it after our podcast, but not not really. Um, so so, yeah, I mean, I mean, I still think it's a it's a cool game. I get why people get addicted to it. But, uh, you know. I mean, I just honestly, I'm just wary of the time suck, right? Like, I don't, I just like, I, I need to stay clear of of that game. <laughs> Super fair. I, I just had to ask. I, uh, I, am about as self 
admittedly an addict as as one can find i literally as of last night though i swore that once the season is done that i'm done i'm going to try to completely cold stop <laughs> well good luck thank you i appreciate that uh, i understand what you mean about the the time sink uh with it but it's a ridiculous game i guess that's like my 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 short thoughts on it but I ask because I'm I'm ready to quit, and I I probably said that before though. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, maybe you find yourself a, a a Marvel Snap sponsor or something to keep oh, you honest. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll intertextually bring in some Marvel people and start streaming and get big that way and <laughs> throw all this. Oh, stuff. sorry, I, I meant I meant I was making like an AA joke. Uh, maybe. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant like a a literal. <laughs> No, or you could uh, just get a sponsor and go even more hardcore into your yeah. addiction. Oh, you know, either either gosh. way, you might as well, you know, go go deep or or quit. Uh, you know. Oh my gosh! Now it's yeah. Well, we'll we'll leave that behind. But nonetheless, okay, that's kind of like transitioning uh, into just like your, your game designs because part of that conversation was about you know, air, land, and sea, which. I don't have any sort of love-hate relationship with that game. I just absolutely love it. Uh, I think it's just fantastic, uh, obviously. But when I when I reached out to you, I was just kind of thinking about you know how Airland and Sea worked as as a lane battler, uh, you know, scapegoat in the way that it approaches like social deductions. It, it takes, I mean, your games take like, genres, and you know my stupid simplification of the way that i i like your games is that they, they like distill the genre but then add like like a little bit of a twist so i guess my my one initial question then is to just share like what your general design philosophy is uh what what types of games like stick out to you how do you gravitate towards making or going from you know air land and sea to scapegoat to to spots to or well time barons was way before so we'll do some reverse time engineering but like i guess i guess just kind of like your thoughts on on how your games come to you and what you're trying to accomplish like with them so i you know they start in different ways like i think the probably uh scapegoat and air land and sea have the most similar beginning uh, in the sense that I was obsessed with some uh, mechanism and the experience that goes with that mechanism as well. Um, in in the case of you know uh, Airland and Sea, it was like you know the, that feeling you get in in poker, right? Of just like trying to figure out like is this where I go all in or is this where I drop out? Um, and trying to capture that in like you know, a different sort of game that had it also, you know, a little bit more moving parts and, and like surface level strategy. I mean, poker has tons of strategy, but like, you know, you know, there's, there's like sort of a hobby board game kind of strategy with special powers and stuff that airline and sea has that I wanted to see combined with that poker feeling, or like in the case of uh scapegoat, um, you know, it's just, I, this sort of reverse, like social deduction idea where, like I kept the the example I kept thinking of was like um you know do androids dream of electric sleep or or blade runner right where like you know you might 
someone might be like a lot of like Philip K. Dick stuff. Someone might be like a, like a robot and not know they're a robot. So like this idea that like there's something about you that everyone else knows about you, but you don't know, which to me felt like a flip of normal social deduction. I became really obsessed with that. So both those games, like I started from this like very specific thing and just kept hammering on it until I finally got it. You know, it was like, it's always a process making any of these games. Um, I mean, the story behind like, say like time barons or spots is like started in a different place, but I think my process is sort of always the same in some ways. And I think like what you said, I like that you said that. Cause I mean, it is definitely what I'm striving for. Like you said, distilled and you said like, there's a hook. So like the hook part is just, you know, I am conscious of the other genres that are out there. I mean, we talked earlier about how it's like frustrating. You can't, you know, uh, always like play all the games out there or read all the books, but like, I'm, I'm pretty up to date on board games. That Hello. That's something I, 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 pri- Oh, sorry. Did I break out? Or yeah. Out? You just like pause for like two seconds. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know exactly where, but um, I usually have like um, a pretty good sense when I'm working on a game of like what other games exist in that genre. Um, and if I don't, I go out and I play them immediately. You know, I do my research. So um, I don't think I'd like even keep working on a game if I didn't think there was like something different about it. I mean, I'm always asking that question. Um, and I think I I don't think this is like terribly unusual either. Like I think most designers, if they're not doing that, they should be. But I think most of them are. Um, and then the distilled part is just like. I basically like, this is where I, I think I differ from some designers that I've met is like, I really like all parts of the design process, including that part at the end where you're just polishing and balancing and tweaking. And like, I've worked with some other designers where I feel like at a certain point they want to, they're like, okay, this is good enough. You know, I want to move on to the next video is breaking up again yeah i stopped because i it seemed like we were cutting out okay i didn't chop out the last couple internet blips uh, but we did a little reset here and it worked and now we're resuming all right where was i uh design process towards the end other designers oh yeah so so yeah i mean i i think there are some designers that probably feel like they're done sooner than I feel like I'm done. And I don't think they're actually even wrong. Like I think probably (laughs) there is diminishing returns and the right move often is to just move on to the next project when something's good enough. But I just, for whatever reason, I really enjoy just endlessly tweaking and stuff. So I will just keep doing that. And, um, and I also really, I really hate fiddliness in games. So I'll just like, I'll just keep compressing and compressing and compressing until I like can't make it smaller. And I really enjoy that process. And like, so, I mean, if that, I don't know if that's what you, what you're feeling when you play my games. I hope that is, that's certainly what I'm striving for. Um, is that like, they're sort of very focused um, on like one one core vision, you know, without having like too much extraneous stuff. Yeah, I I think that to me definitely comes across and and I was hoping I mean I the only thing I was hoping was that my language actually like made sense to you. So I hope it seems like 
they kind of match up a little bit. I, yeah, I think so. And like, I mean, I increasingly think of game design, like not as like some kind of craft that like you get better at. I mean, there's like some theory that's helpful um, for game design for sure. And you can get a little bit better at like predicting whether some like set of rules will work or not. Um, like, so I don't want to say that that doesn't exist at all, but I increasingly just feel like a lot of it's just a process and it's just a grind. And it's just like, at the end of the day, it's about like knowing where you want to go and then just having the grit to just keep cranking through versions. And like, as long as you know where you're trying to go, and as long as you're, you can judge whether the new version got you closer there than the old version, if you just keep doing that, you know? Um, and again, luckily I enjoy that part. So it's like, doesn't feel too much like work. Like, you know, eventually it gets better and better and you get something, but it, it does feel like a struggle sometimes. I mean, almost every game is like a challenge. Very, very cool. So I guess the only kind of follow-up question I have is, is uh, just like maybe where your current headspace is at. Like you said, you're very diligent in, in making sure that you're kind of like up on, up on like, uh, modern games and trying out different things, uh, different games that are, you know, like doing or that implement different mechanisms or are part of different genres. So is there currently, like, you know, you said with Airline and Sea, you're thinking about like poker. Uh, with Scapegoat, you're thinking about social deduction. Is there any like mechanism or genre that's currently been the one that you've been thinking about the most lately? And, and maybe... Wow, maybe you can't talk about it. Maybe it's a secret design or something like that. But just just in general, I guess. Uh, well, yeah, I can. So there's stuff I can talk about for sure. I I mean, I'm working. I'm pretty far along on a game that's in like the the betting and racing genre that like includes games like you know Camel Up and Ready Set Bet and uh, a few other things. And I've been trying to do a game in this genre for uh, honestly for like quite a while. There's even a video game that. Uh, that I made a long time ago uh, with, with Derek Yu that's like in this genre called quibble racing. Um, so I, but I'm, I'm, I've, I've almost cracked it. Like I'm like that design is very far along and to the point that it, you know, if everything comes together, it might be, might be out next year at some point. Um, I'm trying to think like, uh, I mean, what, I mean, th as far as stuff that's more like aspirational that are like, I'm not actually working on, like, um, I mean, I've never done like, like, uh, or I certainly haven't like published like an actual, just like anything that's like a Euro game really. Like, um, I would like to, I would like to do that genre. I mean, it's like a super crowded market. So it's actually like a really fun question to ask, like, like, what can you do there? That's actually different. Um, I tend to like the ones, you know, in sort of like the, more of the terraforming Mars camp that are very card driven and have like a lot of, a lot of variety. So I could see something doing, doing something in that space. Um, so I don't know. That's, that's, those are my quick answers. Perfect. They're perfect quick answers. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing uh, the, the former that racing betting design and in whatever hypothetical future scene, like your version of a Euro, like it, it's going to happen and I'll play it. Uh, and I'm sure there's plenty of other people who are, would, are really looking forward to that too.
Yeah, well, that one, <laughs> that particularly that second one, I mean, there's no, is is pretty far out maybe, but the yeah, the that racing game should happen soon. Well, again, it, it exists. I mean, like there's, it's now, it's in the universe for whoever whoever hears this, they're gonna know and they're gonna they're gonna hold you to it. <laughs> fair and fair enough. It's far enough along that I don't, I don't, I I feel okay with that. Okay, very very cool. Neat. Well, I'm curious and and now we're kind of on like the second to last bit uh just checking in on ufo 50 and like to me i i'm curious kind of like especially just transitioning from i mean obviously you've had lifelong interest in video games and board games but i'm curious to like hear your thoughts on the way that like maybe your board game design has influenced uh, your video game design. So like the games that you've been working on for the project and uh, like, if are there any overlaps that you see in them? Like, I don't know. That's not a question. That's just kind of like me no, but asking you that... to brainstorm. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I actually, I have answered to that because I mean, absolutely like board games influence what I'm doing for UFO 50, like a lot. Um, I mean, I had to design a lot of games for UFO 50. I have a decent chunk of the 50 that that I was responsible for uh, coming up with. And, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm pretty up on board games more so than I am on video games. So a lot of my reference points are from board games more than from video games. Um, and, you know, I thought about like, oh, this is a problem. Maybe I should correct this and uh, play more video games. But then I just decided to lean into it. Like, you know, maybe I'll come up with something a little different because I'm sort of taking stuff from from one platform into or not platform, but like medium into another. Um, and I also think it's sort of a fun. It's It's been fun to do because we are making games in a retro style as if they came out in the 80s. Um, and it's pretty strange to draw upon like modern board game mechanisms and put them in there. And it, on one level, it makes sense because there's nothing that modern board games that are, are doing that couldn't have been done in the eighties. Right. It just, it just the culturally, those things weren't being done. Like the craft of game design hadn't evolved at that point to, you know, include some of these modern mechanisms like deck building, for example. Um, but like, you know, there's no technological obstacle, right? So it's sort of fun to make these like primitive technological games that have these very modern mechanisms in it, almost as if this company was like way ahead of its time somehow. Nice. No, I, that makes that makes like a a ton of general sense. So kind of hmm, tying tying back to a previous question, then too, I'm. Curious. Can you can you hear me? I can. I just my my camera is completely out of focus for whatever uh, reason. But eh. <laughs> it's a podcast, so nobody cares at home. Yeah, I was gonna say no. No one needs to see me right now. I I won't complain about that. But um, no. So kind of like uh, connecting back a few things. I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but you know, obviously, just in in the type of like media that you're interested in, it seems like you know, sci-fi is is something that that you're heavily engaged with through your writing and and the podcast too and well it's game it's uf 
level 50. So I'm just curious how you feel like your exploration into those topics, real life uh, science research and sci-fi have impacted your thought process for this game. It's interesting. I, you know, the name UFO 50, gosh, I mean, it's, I'm almost embarrassed to say that I kind of now it's been so long. I kind of forget the exact conversation mm -hmm. that got us to that name, but um, it's not, you know, it's not super literal, right? Like it's not, these aren't like a collection of sci-fi games. There okay. is a, a UF. So the company, right. I keep referencing the company. So I don't know if I've made this clear, but there's like a fictional company um, as part of sort of our framing story for UFO 50 that made these 50 games, right. We're sort of presenting them as if we didn't make them, but this fictional company did. Um, and that company is called UFO Soft, and they have like a little pink UFO as their logo. And there is a there's actually a series of three games, like like a trilogy of games in the collection. I think there's even a fourth, like sort of like side one too that are all starring both this UFO. Actually, there's even more than I think about. There might be as many as five games that are either starring the UFO or like the pilot of the UFO. Um, so it's definitely like it's like a big thread and i think there's a reason why the collection is called that um but the, the games of course like span all different genres um you know with 50 games i think if they were only sci-fi <laughs> that'd be a little bit limiting although there's probably a there's a fair amount of like just sort of planet hopping space opera type stuff and i tend to i i think we all on the team like really enjoy that stuff so it's definitely an, an influence um and I don't know if it ties like that strongly into like the like sci-fi books that I'm a fan of, but I mean, all of that stuff probably influences me somewhat. Yeah, seems super fair. I was, that, that one, I, I mean, I, I wasn't saying that I was predicting your answer because you're, I, I didn't, but yeah, what you're saying makes a ton of sense. I was just curious, like to see if there was anything and, and you mentioned just like those inherent influences of, reading things watching things and thinking about them in that way definitely did but maybe not like not like super explicitly maybe <laughs> I no know. no i think that's i think that's i think that's correct yeah okay i don't i don't want to like put words into your mouth like, yeah, <laughs> I, I disagree with that i do have oh i have a question okay so this is more of a like a for for me question uh because it's based on a conversation that I was having with a friend recently and I'm, I'm like, you know, you mentioned the, the graphic, you know, the graphics, like it's, there are a bunch of eight bit games. And I think, you know, I, I like video games. I definitely don't play as many as like I used to, but I think some of the things that I have come back to are maybe not like the, the triple a, uh, produce games that have like the crazy graphics or anything like that. I mean, I sometimes play them and I like them, but I do think that, you know, one of the games, one, I think Eric, uh, your co-designer was the creator or had a big role in Downwell. Uh, well, there's two people. I mean, Eric did the, the music for oh, okay. Downwell, but also the, the programmer and designer of Downwell also, uh, is involved with our team. Nice. Um, not as much. I mean, he 
you know, this has been a multi-year project. And so for years now, he hasn't been involved, but uh, there's at least one game in the collection that he basically made <laughs> entirely himself. Um, and that's, uh, that's uh, Ojiro Fumoto. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. 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 That, okay. That's making more sense. But I mean, like games, games like that. I mean, I, I love Downwell. I love anything that is like going back to these different styles. But one thing that I've seen a little bit, uh, maybe in different kind of like Metroidvanias more so is is like the going back to like a you know eight or sixteen bit. I I don't know anything about uh, graphic creation or anything like that, but I feel like that hasn't been like necessarily a huge trend. But there are a lot of these games that will still you know use that graphical like style or just use those graphics, but then also kind of do things to make them look, you know, more modern. So have that eighties feel, but then also do little like layers or twists to, to make them be like, okay, like this feels eighties, but it also feels like it was still made like more recently is what I'm saying. Making. Sense. Oh yeah. Oh no, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, and I think um, we're probably doing, a lot less of that um or at least we're trying i mean and i i feel pretty good about where we've landed with the look and feel of our games like i think they're you know they're if you got like a game historian who knows all about these old systems i mean they're going to be able to poke holes in what we've done for sure but um all in all i think it all looks and feels pretty authentic um and partly that's because like we're legitimately trying to tell you know like a a sort of framing story here, right? I mean, you can think of it as like, you know, if someone was making like a period movie, right? You know, you want to get the costumes right, you know? So like we, we, we're we really trying to get that stuff correct um, in a way that like, there's a lot of games that have a retro style because um, it's an appealing look, but they don't have any, you know, they're not interested in like actually, actually making it, you know, appear to be from that time. They just kind of like want to draw upon those vibes and maybe update them. Um, and so I think that, I mean, I think that's totally valid and really cool as well. Um, I do think hopefully what we're doing will stand out in, in being like a little more like restraint, right. In terms of like, we're not, you know, we're, we're probably the most modern twist that we have, which is a little bit anachronistic is that we have a 16 by nine aspect ratio. So it's now it's just part of the backstory of the company that they did this they chose this really strange aspect ratio for the era. Um, and, uh, you know, we've, so, I mean, like we've sort of like explained that part, but like, that is a little bit, that's probably the weirdest thing about what we're doing. Awesome. Well, I mean, the first time I heard about this was probably in the, in that interview. And as soon as I did it, like immediately shot up on my, like, this is something that I'll, I'm a hundred percent going to play and, and know that I'll love to. So I, I, I'm just glad that I got to hear more from you about it too. Are you talking about the, from the Dan Thoreau? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't. Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy to like bring in some, some, some people who are like, maybe, I don't know if you consider yourself like a more of a board game fan than a video game fan or equal or whatever but like i mean i i think there's going to be a lot in ufo 50 for people that play a lot of board games to enjoy yeah i think i think probably I, i've played a lot more board games than i have video games the past few years but 
I I play like my fair share still. But I mean, honestly, like, you know, some of the kind of retro-y feeling ones and things that I've mentioned or, you know, like Downwell, I've played a lot of that game and, and just things like that. I'll I'll fall into playing those a lot. So I'm excited. Yeah, Downwell, Downwell is an awesome game. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I I got like decent at it for a minute and then, then I lost like all my skills. <laughs> so when I returned... I was so used to being able to making like those really like good combinations of just landing on all the all like the baddies so you'd have like a no touch run as like long as you possibly can and then I'd try to recreate that and like die in the early levels later. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That game, I mean it's not yeah. That game and games in that genre, it's not like riding a bike. You don't yeah. just you lose your skills pretty fast if you oh, don't play. I definitely did. So uh I kinda well I want to open this up. Like, do you have like any any other uh, thoughts on UFO fifty? Like, how it's going? A any just kind of like final thoughts to wrap up this this particular topic? Sure. It's go. First of all, it's you know, I mean, I should say it's going well, right? I mean, if you go to, it's a little embarrassing because if you go to the website for it, there's a trailer and it says coming 2018 i think which is like okay uh but so i mean that was over optimistic um turns out it takes a while to make 50 games but um you know all games all those games are done pretty much at this point um and the kinds of things i'm doing now you know personally i mean everybody on the team is working on different stuff but i'm working on things like like the backstory, the details of the backstory of the company and like the menu system that ties everything together. So, I mean, the kinds of things that we're doing now are feel like final stage type stuff. Um, and, you know, it's a pretty big feat just to get all 50 games into one build at once, but that's like kind of the next thing on my plate. And so like early next year, we should be testing like the whole, you know, finished beta. So... If that gives you some sense of where we are. No release date, though. No, no, like, yeah, 2018's release date. Right. I mean, exactly. Like, I'm not going to give, we're not going to give another one at this point because, you know, we already shot ourselves in the foot once. I'm not oh, going to no. shoot ourselves in the other one. Hey, but no, like, I, I think that, I think that just adds to, you know, the story of the creation of the game and not to me, like, not in a bad way. I think it's, it's good that there has been you know, so much time and design poured in by, you know, how many, how many different people are involved in it? Uh, six or six of us. Yeah. Um, although, you know, I mean, there will be, there will be more as we move into other steps, you know, we're going to need translators and stuff. So yeah. testers. Yeah. I know there, there's six on the website page, so I just didn't want to like, leave out people perhaps in that, now that part of that part at least unlike the release date that part is still accurate <laughs> um it's funny i had this epiphany the other day that like uh the so we again we've created this fictional company that has this fictional timeline over which they made these games and now like we've nearly spent as much i think it's nearly identical the amount of time that our actual team has spent making these games is nearly the same as <laughs> the fictional team so i guess in that sense it's realistic I, honestly that's that's funny too because like i was i was writing like like a story like a I, I don't know if you want to call it a novel i'm not sure if everyone's writing a novel 
maybe more of a, a novella, but I, I placed it in, in 2029. <laughs> and I guess if it, if it's finished by 2029, I can't even remember like the last time I put words in it, but who knows? Maybe, uh, I did put a lot of words into it at one point in time. Let's just put it that way. Maybe that's the way art's supposed to be made. I mean, that's always a tricky thing with sci-fi, right? Like if you, do you, do you, do you actually put the date in there? Like, like with our graphic novel, we decided not to. Um, but I mean, it can be fun to do that. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I still read tons of science fiction books that are like, you know, set in the year 2000 or whatever. And they're, they're still, it doesn't really hurt. It. It's still fun to yeah. read those. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I should in hindsight now or now, not hindsight, but in, in the, I should delete the date. Who knows? We'll see. That's besides the point. Depends depends what you're trying to do with it, of course. Yeah. No, most definitely. Awesome. Okay. Uh very cool. So just kind of to final like wrap up uh questions. As we've talked about like a whole bunch of different things, you know, you mentioned your interest in a whole bunch of you know, different types of games and, and everything like that, books, uh the shows and movies you gravitate towards is there any text so anything that you have watched listened to read played or anything like that that has stuck out to you lately that's been stuck in your mind okay yeah i'll do something like super recent and then i'll tie it to something older awesome. how about so like uh have you have you watched um scavengers rain yet this this is funny because one of my uh a very recent guest, the, the last actual guest that I, I had, you know, published was Eric Slauson. Mm -hmm. And that was something that Eric had mentioned. So, I mean, I, yeah, I think it's pretty obvious why it's appealing maybe to game designers uh, and, or just like nerds in general. <laughs> um, so I've, I've watched the first episode and I am with watching that first episode. I'm definitely set to to finish it so it's not like i watched it and and i'm done i'm very intrigued like i was all for it so i mean it's basically like catnip for me i feel like i had daydreamed something in my head as like what my I, sh ideal show would be and it's pretty close to what scavengers rain turned out to be um and i think the part about it that i want to highlight is like you know it's an ecosystem, right? It's like a fake ecosystem. Um, you know, it's hard to know like how much the writers have like really worked out the details, but it's very evocative and you see these interesting like life cycles and stuff and how things interact. And like, you know, again, games are systems. So it's like, I think there's a real strong connection there. I mean, I think it's like, and I've, I mean, I guess you asked me earlier about like a genre of game I'd like to work on this isn't really a genre so much as a theme, but like this idea of like a fantasy ecosystem has always like really interested me. Um, you know, and it's the reason I just enjoy, like I really enjoy like nature stuff. That's just totally like nonfiction, like planet earth or whatever. Um, but like, I told you I was going to make an older reference. Like the other thing that gave me the same feeling as scavengers reign, which is like totally different is um, there's an old series of comics uh, called bean world. Um, totally different. And I don't know if anybody else but me would like make this connection or not, but like 
So that's like a game with that. Or sorry, that's a book. <laughs> it's hard when we jumping mediums so often, but that's like a graphic novel with like a very simple, uh, sort of like flat, almost stick figurey, uh, drawing aesthetic, um, about these like weird bean characters, but they sort of like exist in this like flat, like 2d, uh, ecosystem. Um, that's like, you know, made up and like, you know, this sort of like interesting, it's just a very evocative to me of like how things can interact. And like, it's, I very much like want to make a game that, that plays with that, you know, like, like, it's very interesting to me how like, you know, like the life cycle of one creature, you know, might depend upon some like interaction with another creature, which is how that creature gets its food, which is how some other creature, you know, gets like uh, something else that it needs and how that's all tied together. Um, I'm not sure exactly the best way to turn that into a game. Um, I think it might work better as a as a video game than a board game, possibly. But um, but yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of an answer. Funny. It's, it's funny that someone else said that, but I'm not, I'm not too surprised. Yeah. Well, I mean, now, now that you brought this design idea out too, whether it is a board or video game, uh, I'm going to hold you to that as well. <laughs> oh, great. Okay. <laughs> I'm just, just kidding. Just making commitments left and right. No, I'm, I'm joking, but no, that, that does sound like a, like, like you said, just taking some of the evocativeness of, both of those ideas and, and thinking about them that's super great and if if it were to happen in the future i would be very excited about it um th there's one other thing too like uh there's something called a uh a flatland hmm. which is like an old like novella that like describes how like a fictional like two-dimensional world would work that's like you know flat like on a sheet of paper flat like um and like that is like um and then there's like another book um called the planiverse that kind of takes the same idea and like really goes into more detail about like the biology of like flat two-dimensional creatures and stuff and like that also is in the sort of cluster of things that like floats around in my head when i think about this stuff um in part because like most of these mediums are flat right like the way you like i mean i guess actually that's one thing that's unique about a board game is a board game is not flat right but like most things that you engage with on screens or on paper which is a lot of mediums um are inherently flat so like the idea of like um designing an ecosystem that is itself flat it makes it's like kind of brings like the medium that you're enjoying the experience on like closer to the thing itself now i'm kind of rambling here but i just that i remembered that just oh. to, uh, popped into my head no i so is this like an older novella yes yeah okay. that the uh uh so uh flatland is is really old it's like from 1884 and it's like, it's satirical of the era. Like, I feel like it's not, it's it's like, it's making like a a point that's not super relevant to today, maybe, um, about like the culture in which it was made. Um, but it's still pretty interesting from this lens of like, you know, they've created, they, from world building, I guess, as a perspective. Yeah. And, well, I mean, just, 
I, I kind of feel stupid for, as far as I know, not having this be something that I like knew about, but obviously seems like super popular. The my my deep dive Wikipedia is showing that it's popped up in a lot of like TV, other literature, and and pop culture in different ways too. So it's like oft alluded to. It's, I think it's still, it's still kind of a deep cut. I mean, I don't, okay. I, I, it's not like I have known about this for years or something. Like, I think uh, I probably learned about it maybe five years ago top. So I mean, it's not, it's not weird if you haven't heard of this at all. Okay. Well, it's um, funny. And, uh, and then just... Planiverse is the, uh, is the other one that came in out in 1984. That's definitely inspired by Flatland. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, I'll definitely look into this more because it, I mean, a lot of the in pop culture, like, you know, illusions or everything like that where it's kind of showing where this novel has like popped up and are in in other texts that i have like read or watched too so i think it's funny that it's like the novel appears in interstellar or, or something like that so oh interesting i yeah. guess i'm not even aware of how much it's been referenced then so this is all new to me this, too this is my my very very uh in-depth wikipedia search is showing me all this information so <laughs> but oh no i that's like very interesting and and the way that you presented it and like thinking about crossing it over with with like board game design or or video game design and having these things that are you know 2d representing 3d and i don't know you're you're blowing my brain right now and <laughs> I just got to look into it more. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I feel like there's something there. I don't, I don't, I don't, yeah. It's another thing to actually make whatever this vague cluster of ideas <laughs> is into a design. But um, I think the things that make like that are inspiring for games tend to be like things that are systemic, right? Like systems. So um, that's why like, yeah, ecosystems and worlds and stuff like that are like, particularly inspirational when it comes to games nice okay well i got just because you brought that up i'm gonna ask you like one more one more question now so i guess the one thing i'm wondering then too is because you know you're thinking about like these different texts and how they would inspire uh you know different games so i guess like as a designer how often are you like watching a show like scavenger's reign or reading these novellas and thinking about those texts directly in regard to game design or or how often do you just kind of like try to check out of that that brain space oh yeah that's funny um i think i, I can check out of it i mean i think it's more like you know something like scavenger's reign like hits you pretty hard with with the with that kind of vibe and so like it definitely got me thinking about games but i i uh yeah i mean i'm not it's not like every experience i have or thing i look at i'm like uh turning into into a game in my head um it's interesting like i don't like you know i think there are you know obviously like people in a lot of mediums like make stuff based on their own life and experience and i think even game designers do that i don't i don't feel like i do that i mean i'm sure like there's always the subconscious influences but um yeah i feel like my yeah so i don't know i guess that answers your question as best i can yeah awesome okay so 
literally, literally final thoughts. Uh, we've, you've, you talked about like the current uh, state of UFO 50. You talked about your racing betting game. Is there anything else that people should be like looking out for from you uh, coming up? Um, I have a, I mean, I, I'm, I am working on other stuff. I mean, those are the big ones. Also like there's the, the graphic novel Const oh, constellation, yeah. which I didn't really give the pitch for, but that is something that is being worked on and will eventually come out. That one, I think honestly, you know, wouldn't venture a release date for, um, and I'm working on another board game that I I think has a very good chance of becoming reality. It's a card game um, vaguely in the CCG space. Um, in fact, you know what? I'll just kind of like say a little bit about it because I don't think it really matters. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if there's like some big, like needs to be some big cloud of secrecy around these things. Um, I It's a... Uh, it's a game where like every every card would be unique um that's ever printed. So it's like you could think of like key forges and then think of like the next logical step past that. Um and so that's you know that's farther from reality than the racing game, but it's I can see a pretty clear path forward for that game. Well, I if if it wasn't clear uh anything that you have any involvement in i you know was intrigued by looking into some of that other stuff that i was less familiar with in your your graphic novels i'm intrigued about those and i'm very much looking forward to seeing these projects keep coming into existence and and i'll play them so i uh, that's awesome yeah i mean <laughs> I, I hope you we keep doing this podcast yeah um, Thank you. And that's funny too, because, uh, you know, you earlier on, like you, you asked that question back where you said, you know, what was like my inspiration or what I'm, what I'm I trying to do here. That's kind of the question, I guess. I'm not sure if I'm something like it. that, yeah. something like that. But I mean, like, honestly, like this, uh, like these types of conversations and, you know, especially just like exploring the way in which you like design all these different things and like, how they have those overlaps. I mean, this this is kind of uh, one of the answers to that question too. So I'm, I'm very like excited by this conversation. So. Oh yeah, this has been this has been a very fun conversation. Awesome. Well, I will, I'll definitely uh, let you go and say thank you uh, so much for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me on here and and making this happen. All right, no, I, I really appreciate it, and and I look forward to just being in you know, communication and, and engaged with your works uh, in the future too. Great. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to actually uh, seeing other people enjoy some of these things that I've been laboring on in private for a long time. I like, yeah, man, I, another, another callback. You, you mentioned that was you know, one of your inspirations is just seeing, seeing the things that you make and having people like enjoy them to starting all the way back to your early stories and, and drawings and all that. So it's definitely is your reality and, and more of that's going to be happening. So looking forward to it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. It's been great.
Intertextual Cardboard Experience, the most eclectic podcast about board games and any other text that they connect to. Thank you so much for choosing to spend your time here. Any further support, such as sharing the show with friends, following the page's socials in the episode description, writing a review, filling out the feedback form, or doing anything else you can think of is greatly appreciated. Keep playing, watching, reading, listening, experiencing.